This is OMS Voices and Amos Podcast. I'm Bill Klaparoth, and with me is Dr. Julia Palevna, who is here to discuss, do I need a bone graft? Dr. Palevna, thank you for being here. Thank you, Bill, for inviting me. Oh, of course. Are you kidding me? It's great to see you. So let's jump into this topic. Can you explain to us what is a bone graft? Well, bone graft can be taken from a patient. You can take it from donor sites, which can come from a human and also animals. You can also use manufactured bone graft that is synthetic material. And it can be placed in places where we need to augment the ridge and placed in places where we're missing teeth for future implant placement. Okay. So in those cases, that's why we would need a bone graft. Is that right? Right. You want to be able to have an ideal site. For dental procedures, when you extract a tooth, sometimes we lose bone and we need to augment that ridge to place an implant. And sometimes we have to put bone graft on facial trauma patients for reconstruction of their mouth or in their face or in the jaw. Okay. So then the goal of bone grafting is you have to have this strong foundation. Is that what it is? You know, what is the goal then of bone grafting? We want to have an area where we have ideal bone, where we have good quantity and good quality of bone, and the site is augmented to place an implant for future form and function. Bone grafting can facilitate with dental implants to improve their ability and their capacity for chewing. It can improve their appearance, and implants replace where they're missing teeth. And with improved function and improved aesthetics, the bone graft is like the stepping stone to the start of a dental implant procedure. So you said earlier you can get bone from various places. What are the factors that come into play when selecting the appropriate bone graft source? That depends on how much bone you need, how big of a defect there is, and how much form and function we need to augment. So the different places you can get bone, you can get it from the lower jaw called the mandible, and it comes from either the back of the mouth where the wisdom teeth used to be, or it can come from the chin. We can also get a large amount of bone from the hip, and we can take it from the front of the hip or the back of the hip. The back hip is where we get the most bone from. We can also take ribs. We use a lot of rib grafts when we're looking at trying to get some cartilage and some bone. Cartilage can be used with joint augmentation. We can get some bone from the side of the leg, the tibia, which is the shin bone on people. And then we can also take it from the back of the skull. So for getting the bone graft source, if you will, you said earlier you need a bone graft for tooth extractions, dental implant replacement, facial trauma. If it's something like where someone needs dental implants because they didn't take care of their mouth, chances are you're not going to get the bone graft from inside the oral cavity because their bone is shot. That's when you'll go to the hip or other places? Well, you can take bone from the mouth, and it depends on the amount of bone we need. And the health of the bone? Well, you're not going to take uh, bone necessarily out of the area around the teeth. Because if they're losing the teeth, they may have periodontal disease, they may already have bone loss. But we can get good healthy bone from the chin and from the back of the jaw where the wisdom teeth used to be. So if we need a small amount of bone, we can take it from in the mouth. If we need a large defect, like if somebody was in an auto accident, then that's when we're going to harvest bone from the hip and we'll take 
cortical bone, and we'll also take cancellus. Those are the hard bone and the softer bone, the bone marrow. So then what other factors come into play when grafting? The patient's health becomes a big component on deciding what kind of graft we're going to use. If the patient's a diabetic, if the patient's overweight, if the patient's a smoker, we have a lot of patients now that get a lot of bone density testing done, and the quality of bone from somebody that has osteoporosis wouldn't necessarily be the ideal patient, but you can get cadaver bone and donated bone to help augment the quality of bone graft that we're going to put into place. So when someone does get a bone graft, how does that work? How long does the procedure take? I'm sure there's a variability to it, but is it painful? How does it work for someone listening going, oh God, I've got to have a bone graft. What does that entail? Well, that's a great question because most of the time when you harvest the bone, that's more painful than when you're placing the bone to the recipient site. The donor site on the chin or the back of the mandible, the hip, those can be painful procedures postoperatively. And the recipient site usually is not what the patients complain about. Usually a couple of weeks recovery after a hip graft or a tibial harvest, but the recipient site is not usually the chief complaint of where the pain is. So when you talk about a graft, and I'm thinking about bones, soft tissue is easier to kind of understand. How do you take a piece of bone out and put it somewhere else? Do you? How does that work? Do you don't saw a piece of bone out? Do you again? Actually, I mean, people, yes. Okay. Actually, <laughs> yes, Bill. That is how it works. So the soft tissue gets reflected back, whether it's on the hip or on the chin or the back of the jaw, and then we get down to the bone. And when we're taking cortical bone, we'll make vertical cuts and we'll take a chunk of the hard bone. And that is usually placed in an area where there's a big defect, reconstruction from a car accident, trauma, or if somebody had a lot of bone removed for pathology. And then the marrow bone gets kind of placed around the hard, dense bone in those areas to kind of fill in the cracks, so to speak. And then the soft tissue is placed back over the graft. The blood supply for the graft to heal comes from the soft tissue that's over the bone. So when you place soft tissue over the bone, we want to have, it doesn't want to be tight. It doesn't want to be compressed. So we have to usually reflect back a lot of the tissue and then cover up the bone so that we get a good blood supply so it heals well. So you're not taking a big, large chunk of bone that's going to go in someone's mouth or jaw, right? It's a smaller little area of bone. That's how you can cut it out, if you will? It depends. The anterior hip, you can usually get two centimeter by three centimeter block of bone. The posterior hip, you can take a five by five centimeter of hard cortical bone. And when you have those areas exposed, you can really kind of, it's almost like taking an ice cream scoop and you take out the cancellous bone out of the area where you remove the hard bone and you pack that cancellous And you're forming marrow. it with this bone around where you need it to build up the ridge or exactly. you were saying earlier. And then you have to have a lot of laxity of the soft tissue so you can close the soft tissue over the graft so that you get a good blood supply so it heals. But traditionally, the harvest site where you steal the bone 
and you place it into the defect into the mouth, the mouth is not usually the more painful portion of the procedure. It's the hip, getting it's it out. It's the harvest site that usually is more painful. Yeah, because then you'll have to like suture up the incision where you had to go in to get the bone and you'll have stitches and things like Correct. that. Correct. Yeah. And the patient usually has, a, it's painful to walk if they take a hip graft. If they take bone from the shin on the tibia, that's tender to walking and pressure when you're carrying the body weight. Well, fascinating. So thank you for explaining that. I've always wondered that. And I would imagine people listening to are like, how do they get the bone out? What do they do? So there's usually saws, like you said, and little chisels and mallets and instruments that look like little ice, tiny ice cream scoops. So you scoops. come in with the, yeah, the little tiny ice cream scooper and the little bitty hammer and the saw and you get in there. The patients are usually asleep. You get asleep. in there. Okay. <laughs> They're sedated. If it's smaller procedures where we're taking from the mouth, the chin, the back of the jaw, those are procedures that we do in the office and the patients are usually sedated. If we're going to take a hip harvest, which means we're augmenting a big defect, we're going to have the patient in the operating room under general anesthesia. Wow, that's fascinating. So then what is the healing process after the bone graft? It varies from patient to patient and it varies from the extensiveness of the procedure. A simple posterior maxilla Augmentation is usually a day or two of pain, of ache and pain, but the patients can have, if they do a hip harvest, they may have about two weeks of recovery where they have downtime and it's probably not recommended that they would go to work during that time. So it depends on the extensiveness of the procedure, where we take the harvest from, where we steal the bone from, and then also how much of the graft that we need. So a bigger hip procedure, a couple of weeks, small little augmentation in the sinus, a day or two. So the body will accept that bone when you move it from one area to another. The body integrates that bone, right? Accept it because then you start getting blood flow into it and you get the soft tissue wrapped around it. Is that right? It becomes one in that area. Exactly. Your body likes you better than anybody else. Okay, so, good point. So... If you're taking graft from pig or cow, those are usually... Uh, like, what are you doing to me here? What is this, right? Well, I tell my patients once they start mooing, it's working. <laughs> <laughs> but when you take graft from the patient's own body, their body likes them better than anything else. We also get a lot of donor bone from cadavers, and that comes in a bottle. And so we'll take and augment that with the patient's own blood supply. So we'll do a blood draw and we'll use the patient's blood. And it's kind of like jumper cables onto a battery. The patient's blood acts as like jumper cables to a battery. The cadaver bone are particles that patients get from donor bone or bottled bone. And with their platelet-rich plasma, we mix that together. The graft becomes sticky and we place it into smaller sites and they heal well. Wow. Again, this is uh, fascinating. So when it comes to bone grafts, what else do we need to know that I didn't ask you? Anything else you want to add when we're talking about bone grafts? The grafts are usually simple procedures that can be done in the clinics, in the oral surgeon's office. Open sinus lift, maybe a 30-minute procedure. A hip graft is going to be maybe a two-hour procedure in the operating room. So from the smaller procedures, those are simple and can be done in under an hour, and the patient can go back to work usually in a day or two. 
larger ones, there it's a little bit longer, more extensive, and can be in an outpatient surgery center. Got it. All right. Well, Dr. Polevna, again, this has been fascinating and very informative. Thank you so much for your time. All right. Thanks for having me, Bill. I enjoyed it. You betcha. That is Dr. Julia Polevna. And for more information in the full podcast library, please visit myoms.org. And if you found the show to be interesting, please share it on social media and don't forget to subscribe. Thanks for listening.